Hi, I'm Paul Carr. This is episode 27. It's called Cracking Up. I compare the ice to a friend of mine who slowly lost his mind. Commentary at the end. Uh, one of my fans contacted me and she thinks I'm pretty harsh. Um, so I will explain at the end to the best of my ability what, uh, what was going on. Cracking Up. My friend Jeff reminded me of ice. Both came in many forms. Most people think ice, frozen water, the end. However, if you've grown up with the plastic-like stuff underfoot, you know better. Black ice is the nastiest of all, invisible, almost evil. It'll put you on your ass when you least expect it. Conversely, I think the most beautiful variation of ice occurs when it resembles a flowing, high-luster glass after an out-of-season rain or slushy warm-up. Then winter snaps back, ice accumulates, and a dusting of powdery snow covers all. If the sun sneaks out during those rare times, it's almost heavenly. Wexford crystal can only sigh in deep, gutted jealousy. A more common ice form appeared as crunchy, granular ice. I remember during one blizzard, Jeff scooped up a handful of the stuff. Here, take a gander at this, he said, offering a mittened pile of the white stuff in one paw and a magnifying glass in his other. Long ago, I gave up wondering what he'd pull from his pockets, backpacks, greasy bags, or pouches tied around his neck. So magnifying glass wasn't too bad. I stepped forward with a crunch. Take the magnifying glass, he commanded. I did, and peered at the pyramid of palm snow in his hand. Wow, it's all little tiny balls like BBs. Then there was brittle ice and near ice. Brittle ice seemed to break from merely looking at it. One of the worst was near ice. Lots of people call it slush. But slush can go either way. If the weather warms up, it's water. If the thermometer dips, it changes to ice. But just before it hardens to rock-like ice, it is in the pre-ice plasticine state near ice. Not really liquid or ice, but wicked elastic stuff. It stuck to boots, pants, and if it got in your car and the heater didn't work, like my VW bug, it became your clumpy friend until Easter. The ultimate troublemaker was layered ice. And that was anybody's guess. Particularly if a powdered fluffing of snow covered it. Then, hidden beneath the snow lay ice in its many chameleon forms, like the strata of ancient fossilized rock, each previous layer formed by the whims of the weather. Each kind of ice resembled the many forms of my friend Jeff. With both, though, I never knew exactly what I had. Most of the time, he was lovable and a knowledgeable guy, like solid ice. I could be sure of both after a quick test. I'd step on either, and if they didn't crack, well, off I'd go. When Jeff tested solid, he'd be ready to help at a moment's notice. He'd put aside whatever and assist. At other times, he'd rage like an icy tornado. Psychosis will do that. And like a storm, it's incremental. You don't see it coming until it's too late. 
Often I'd stand beyond his tempest, hoping to find the gentle eye of his turbulence, the same way I'd hope a snowstorm would peter out. In both cases, ice or Jeff, if the storm was bigger than me, I'd hunker down and wait, or leave, if I could. <coughs> One brutal March winter, the weather relaxed its grip. The snows had subsided for a week. The sun popped out. We fell for it. We thought, oh man, winter had finished with us. That meant only one thing. Rain or shine, wet or dry, calm or raging, we always headed to the same place, the reservoir. Connecticut is encased in thick forest, rolling rock-based hills and lakes. One such lake, actually a reservoir, lay near our homes. Behind Jeff's house or mine, we could walk straight for three forested miles before we'd hit a road, and that would be a rarely used dirt fire access road. We could hoof it beyond that another two miles in any direction, and it would be maybe we'd hit tar. So in other words, we were in the middle of nowhere. Our reservoir was a private watershed, and we never let a few signs reading no press trespassing Violators will be prosecuted, interfere with our hikes and explorations. We loved our reservoir. We knew where the deer bedded down, where to find duck eggs, and where the best place was to fight with the bony pickerel in the shallow waters. But most important of all, how to keep an eye and ear out for our eternal enemies, the game wardens. And naturally, we knew the best route to the island. On the far side of this reservoir, a tiny island beckoned to us with the pull of magnetic north. A few lovely pine trees lay on it. In the summer, we could swim to it, but in truth, it was just a little too far to swim comfortably to, or wisely. Usually, we'd cheat and hike to the far side and then swim the much closer 200-foot distance between the shore and the island. Winter, however, created total access to the island. Ice. Want to go to the reservoir, I asked Jeff. We'd been thinking of it for days. We had few things in our little brains at that time. Teenage sex, vehicles, both four-wheeled and two-wheel vehicles, and the reservoir. Little else was in our tiny little cabezas. Life got no better except on the rare occasions we got our hands on the local girls in a vehicle at the reservoir. Jeff had two-thirds of that very combination occurred the previous summer and was still bitching about it, which was a new thing to me. Sissy Adler had freckles, a sweet round ass, an average face, and pointy tits sticking out like a New England church steeple. Want to go to the island, I asked Jeff again. Uh, I suppose, he grumbled. We put on two layers of socks, pulled our boots out from the pile near the door, tucked our pant legs down the boots, grabbed jackets, hats, and mittens, and shot out the door. Hey, uh, how come you're grumpy about the island? I asked as we scrudged through eight inches of melting snow. And what's with the island? Sissy, Jeff said. Sissy? We cut through the empty field behind his house, made a beeline to the trail, which started at the far edge of the field in the beginning of the forest. I followed behind him. Promise you won't tell anybody? Yeah. 
I said, placing my footsteps in Jeff's snowy prints. It made walking a heck of a lot easier for the guy who followed. You better not fucking tell anybody. Jesus Christ, I won't. What did you do? I didn't do anything. She raped me. What? I stopped walking and started laughing. She raped you? Bullshit. I stopped laughing, scraped up a mushy handful of snow, smooshed it into snowball, and peened him in the back of the head. It splatted. Jeff turned and charged me. She did. I started laughing and ran back the way we came, but the laughing incapacitated me, and that further enraged Jeff. I couldn't stop, and I fell in the snow. Jeff made a huge snowball, hovered over me, and crowned me with it. Now I'm not saying squat. Jeff huffed as he rubbed snow in my face, and I pushed him down. Come on, start talking, stud. I got up. Are you telling me, you porked sissy Adler, when did this happen? Jeff brushed the snow off himself and tried to take a swipe at me. I moved out of the way. I kept an eye on him and brushed some more snow off myself. This summer. What? You poked her this summer and you're telling me now? I took the lead and started on the trail. He followed behind me and my footprints. I went swimming at the reservoir. You were in California visiting your father. Eh, that might be true, I said. A snowball whooshed by my head. I ran farther ahead, scooped up some snow and threw it back at him. I missed and we kept on walking. I skinny dipped out to the reservoir and lay down in the sun. I'm cutting Z's and before I know it, guess who's there? Uh, the Pope. Fuck you, dickwad, Jeff said. And he pegged two snowballs in my direction. I turned to face him and caught one in the chest. Wrong, it was church tits, he said. She lay down next to me and didn't have diddly on. Oh, you lucky bastard, I said. She raped me, man. She grabbed my cock. I got hard as a rock. She started jerking it, got on top of me, started rocking and moaning. Are you sure? You tell a lot of stories, you know. You think maybe I don't know if somebody's grabbing my dick? I know what my dick is, man. Yeah, true, you would, because you're always grabbing it. I started running again with him hot in pursuit. I had been lucky enough to get Sissy's shirt off one time myself. Okay, I challenged him. Okay, Romeo. Tell me something descriptive about her hooters then. We started to walk side by side. It looked like a snowball truce. They're pointy as hell, Jeff offered. Ah, Christ, that's not news. They know that in Canada. If she was on top of you, unless you had one of her memories in your eye, you must have noticed something. Jeff put his hand to his upper lip. I don't know. Think, if you really gave her the big old sausage, you couldn't have missed this. Think about her left one. He had a confused look. Man, you're such a bullshitter, I said, and we started down a decline. Shut up, I'm thinking, Danny smiled. Freckles. She has freckles all over her left one, clusters of them. Nothing on the righty. I stopped in place, st snapped my head in his direction. It was true. The one and only time I got her shirt off, I was really impressed with her left knocker because not only was it pointy like a banana, it reminded me of a freckled constellation. Holy cow, Jeffrey son, I think you might be telling the truth for a change. He said, do you ever see so many freckles in your life? No, but you have to be the only guy in the world who's bitching about getting laid. Promise you won't tell, he said. Jesus, I already said yes. It was my first time. He almost whispered it. I want it to be special. Special? She fucked you and you want it to be special? I shook my head. What do you want, a band to play in the background, roses to pop up out of the ground? 
Jesus, all I got was a piece of tea. How come you rate? He didn't say anything, and we kept walking, listening to the snow crunch with each step. Pine trees eventually came into view, contrasting with the leafless forest we had just tromped through. The reservoir lay just beyond. We pressed on until we saw the dusting of powdery snow-covered reservoir. Bare ice glimmered in the sun in a few windswept spots. We'd been down three weeks before, and our old tracks had melted and refroze many times. Before the thaw, those tracks would have neatly fit our boots. Now they had liquefied out in concentric, icy ripples growing to nearly twice their size. At that moment, a noise resembling a loud rumble started near us and ended with a shot on the far side of the reservoir. Ice is settling, Jeff said, as he stepped on the reservoir's ice. We had heard it many times before. It reminded me of the noises ships made on TV as they sank, a grinding, twisting noise. What kind of ice is it, I asked as I waited on solid land. Jeff went out about ten feet, peered at his boots, forced a foot downward, layered snow, crust, slush, and ice, maybe inch of water, six inches of ice under that. He loved being the expert. What do you have, x-ray vision? How come it's not five inches? I'm going to the island, wise guy. It's thick enough to support us. Easy. Sissy won't be there in the winter, you know, I said. He took off his mitten, gave me the finger, and plodded off in a straight line to the island. I followed in his wake, hanging back about 25 feet. The sun poked out, and the snow glistened like shards of broken glass. We had to look down because of its intensity. Lost in our own thoughts, we trudged on. Ten minutes later, and about halfway across, the ice rumbled again. A sound like a shot rang out. I felt it vibrate under me. I stopped. Twenty feet ahead of me, Jeff stopped, too. Water started to pool all around him. I started to point at him, but the ice under my own feet began to sink and flex, too. Then water started to pool near me. I threw myself flat on the ice, hands out, legs out, spread eagle. More water pooled and soaked me. Crap! I heard Jeff yelp and looked up just in time to see him totally disappear. He shot straight down through the ice. No more Jeff. Poof! like magic, a hundred percent gone. My heart raced. I saw one of his hands come up through the hole, then a flailing arm, then he surged out headfirst up to his chest. Help me! I can't! Jeff was a good 50 pounds heavier than me, and it was just pure luck that I had been hanging behind him about 25 feet. I had stopped sinking the second I lay flat, but now I lay in at least three inches of water. I knew if I went forward, we'd both end up in the water, and I was plenty cold already. Another crackling of the ice roared. More vibrations shuddered through me. Cut through the ice towards me, I screamed. He heaved like a seal, trying to get on the ice, and every time it broke, he'd go completely under each time. Come on, come on! I don't think he heard me. When he surfaced, pure panic painted his face. That scared the crap out of me. And then I realized, although he was making headway as he smashed the ice closer, together our weight would sink to both of us if I stayed. I scuttled a few feet backwards like a crab. He continued trying to get on the ice, but he failed each time. Cold was all I heard him yell. Get the fuck out, I yelled as if he hadn't thought of that. I edged back more. He got his torso out, 
finally, and then shimmied up on the ice, and it held him. He was dripping wet. Don't stand yet, I yelled. Crawl, crawl. For a change, he listened to me. I watched as he crawled in my direction. When I was pretty sure he wouldn't plummet through, I rotated to face our windswept lead-in trail. I sped up my own crawl and checked on him. Oh, shit, he's coming too fast. When I retraced our trail about 100 feet, I stood. Oh, dear God, please hold us. A rumble screeched across the ice and a shot followed by another rang out. My stomach churned. I peered behind me. Jeff was running for all he was worth, and he was gaining. Oh, fuck. We're both going to go in. I bolted, determined to stay ahead of him. I fought the desire to make a straight run to the nearest shoreline. Aim for the pine trees. Pine trees. Jeff kept gaining. I didn't stop until I hugged a pine tree, and I waited for Jeff. Then I started shivering. He hit solid land and ran right past me. Come on, death run. We'll freeze if we stop. Our wet clothes had hardened as stiff as New England oak wood. We were out of the winter, but not out of Uncle Winter's evil hands. Near ice clung to us and snow started to stick to our pants as we ran. No shortcuts today, no surprises. This was a pure trail run. Little time to talk, no time to bitch. I caught up to him. Got a pace, Jeff huffed. We started a cadence. Left foot, right foot. We did it together. Left foot, right foot. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Too terrified to be frozen, but not too scared to be cold. No rest, just flat out run. Didn't stop for one second. We ran side by side, three miles up the hills, down the hills, through deep snow, over ice. We tripped, we fell, we got up, we ran. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. His farmhouse appeared beyond the thinning forest, but we kept on going until we hit his porch. We opened up the door and ripped off our jackets and stood in the kitchen near the black, cast-iron, constantly wood-burning stove. His grandfather walked in, gave us one look, and shook his head, then started tossing wood in the fire. I thought I heard the ice cracking, and if I can hear it up here, it must be splintering to bits down there. Damn fool! Surely, damn kids fell through the reservoir. Grab some towels. We didn't have anything to say, and his grandfather threw in as much wood as a stove would take. Jeff's mom surely showed up with towels. When she left the room, we stripped off the rest of our wet clothes. She returned with more towels and lightly smacked each of us in the dumb head. Something wrong with your brains, my God. I'll get a shower going for you. Just dry off a bit first. When Jeff and I were alone, I said, uh... Near ice, huh? Not layered. Yeah. Jeff was pretty solid that time. Uh, so, Jeff. Yeah, this was, he was a good friend of mine in high school. We spent a lot of time together. His, his family had a farmhouse there that was built in 1805. They had been there forever. Um, yeah, it was, it's, uh, it's just so saddening to, somebody, to see somebody lose your mind. We were kids. So we were like 17 or 18. So um, a female friend of mine has complained. She thought I was very harsh in this and, and kind of mean-spirited and a dick. And I have to say that this is how we talked back then. This is male banter. 
<laughs> I mean, and that's that's what we said. That was pretty much exactly what we said that time. And um, she also pulled me to task for the rape part. And she thought, and she said, so it sounds like you don't believe that he could be raped. And yeah, many things have changed over the over the past 50 years or so about that. And I have to say that Sissy was very cute. And Jeff tended to tell stories. So one always wondered what was going on when he opened his mouth. So, um, yeah, that's all I could say about that. You know, I mean, we all wanted to get laid, and, and here he was, and, you know, we're kids. We're just young kids. So anyway, um, the really sad thing is I read a story in the Hartford Current about a homeless guy living in a cave. And when I read that, I knew it was him because he had showed me a, a cave behind our homes down by the reservoir. And uh, I knew it was him. So I, I wrote a letter to the editor and she said, why don't you call me? And so we started to talk. I said, I know who this guy is. He's my friend from high school. I told her the name of the town that we lived in. I told her his name and she said, yeah, that's him. And um, her interest in this story was that she too had a, a, a brother who suffered brutally from mental illness. And, and she recognized that he had a lot of trouble. And um, anyway, it's just really, it's really, 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 really sad. And um, yeah, he's been homeless off and on. And oh, it's just really so sad to see a good, a good friend um, decompose, you know, and he could fix any kind of machine, but he had a lot of trouble to interact socially with people and it just got worse and worse and worse as time went by. And uh, he, he alienates everybody and kind of becomes very aggressive, uh, not physically, but, but verbally. And it's, it's kind of hard to put up with him. So I kind of, I gave up. One of my saddest times was I saw him in the library in the corner, really overweight and, and a big, big lumberjack beard, you know, down past his belly and just disheveled. And uh, I wanted to say hi to him, but, but I couldn't. I didn't know what to say anymore. So anyway, that's, that's cracking up in my friend Jeff. And yeah. So if anybody's offended by the vocabulary in this, I'm sorry. And if you think I'm a dick for questioning whether a male can get raped, was a long time ago. So anyway, thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. Adios.